Ayahuas. Inside. In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self-rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizen's Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are inspired by a co-host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere he goes, Raymond Wong Jr. Thank you, thank you, and I feel like I'm here for a reason today, and I'm here this time. This is episode number 60. We are still in season three. And uh, what we're going to be talking about today, I'll give you the title of the episode that usually gives it all away. It's a time for reasoned choices. And we're going to take reasoned choices down a very specific path, although it's a very broad topic that comes to us from philosophy. What we're going to be delving into specifically around reason choices is how the power of faction can bring the demise of a republic. I mean, namely our republic, the one we're chiefly primarily concerned about these days. Ideology is never a good substitute for reasoned choice. And even worse, when ideology is wielded by authoritarian bullies. Just as uh, Presidents Lincoln and Grant had feared, you know, we always try to hearken back to our history. There's always warnings. Rhyming, I think, was the lovely phrase Raymond used in one of our recent episodes. They had a fear um, that the greatest threat to our republic may be or would be from within. Um, they wonder, you know, whether or not we would be able to maintain the people's hold on self-rule, the we, the people. And even though in their minds at the time, we, the people, was a different segmentation of our population, the promise has always been embedded <laughs> that we, the people, is not specific. <laughs> and it's really, when you read the Constitution, inclusive of all citizens born or naturalized. I, I'm not going to leave that one behind. Will we be able to have, as President Adams said, a government of laws and not of men? You know, when we look back at history, I, I think it's important that public schools is something we start thinking about. Everyone can probably relate that their public schools are in a terrible state, they're underfunded, classrooms are jammed, why would I go there? But the public school system was designed primarily to ensure that citizens had the basics to be active, engaged members of society. It was supposed to prop up that and civics, basic civics and teaching people to understand how the government works and the benefits it has was a primary piece of the education system as established. Now, they've been unable to win the vote on on the more extremist sides of our country so they instead are jumping into these systems and blowing them up from the inside out you know they're hollowing them out they're not giving teachers the leverage they need to help your children create or be creative and that's methodical because the more you hold back people's ability to think and reason why am I making this choice? Why do I even care what this strong man or woman says? 
why does this person have any say in my life? Well, first you have to understand the value of your own life. And that takes reason itself. That takes a core reasoning every day to understand that, yes, my voice matters. Yes, I'm part of the greater good. And yes, I have a say. But guess what? Every structure we're part of doesn't enable that. And the public schools don't have the time to foster that. And that, that's been methodical. I think more than ever, ladies and gentlemen, it seems clear that they dump money into propaganda on one side and underfund education to, to, to support that propaganda, right? It's an endless cycle. I have to agree. Um, a dearth of civics. A lack of like innate awareness or understanding that we, the people, are supposed to be writing the laws through our representatives. Um, people feel so divorced from the system. And, and there's lots of reasons why. I think we've articulated many over time. Um, but concerted, yeah, certainly in a way, and the results are people don't believe voting counts. And there's a lot of reasons now why they should have new reasons propaganda wise to try and believe that their vote doesn't count. But at the end of the day, we can't have a Republic. We won't be ruled by laws. If we just let others, these selected, you know, what we think, however, these people are getting selected, it's, it's through elections, but people, there's like this disconnect that's like, Oh, no matter what I do, no matter how I vote, whoever's been chosen is going to be placed into office and I'm going to be left behind. And that's a fundamental flaw um, that's been introduced through this blowing up of our education system at a, at a fundamental level on top of all the propaganda, right? So even if you went through school at some point and you did learn about civics, it's probably going to get washed over many times by all this propaganda that Ray is talking about. Um, so it's a, it's a very difficult environment to operate in. And the only way to navigate these seas is to have reason. The whole system is based on reason. It was built on reason. They may want to call themselves enlightened. I don't think we go that far anymore, but it was reason and law. So let's just talk a little bit about what other republics looked like at the time of their own demise. This is a bit of a, a warning and it may feel a little repetitious, but uh, we feel like it's worth repeating. So first thing we want to throw out there is considering the former Weimar Republic in Germany. And I think we've brought this up maybe tangentially in the past, but essentially it brought its own, brought about its own demise. It enabled a party to come to power that converted it into a dictatorship. The heads of their conservative party, the, the people that were in power, trusted that a gentleman, a very passionate gentleman with a very hateful message, Adolf Hitler, wouldn't run amok. He was going to be some kind of technocrat. And we know what happened there. Um, they thought they could control him the head of the party who was able to select the prime minister, whatever the title was, selected him thinking he'll be a good puppet. That's a historical thing that keeps happening, right? We, even the United States government has been guilty of 
placing people in power thinking they do well right that we don't talk about in our history books we probably should make it more interesting but you need funding for that uh, but you you talk about that all these times we've tried to prop up these governments or put our own person in and it's failed us you cannot trust strong men you cannot trust the loudest person in the room it's a shortcut that doesn't work it's not easier and it doesn't work to anybody's benefit. So now we still have, you know, Saudi Arabia and all these things, right? We've propped up so many regimes, not even to go back to Chile and all of the revolutions we inspired to take down democratically elected governments because it was better for business to have a strong arm at the top. That's another episode. <laughs> Let's talk about Julius Caesar. You know, um, we look back to Rome as one of the inspiring, or the best parts of Rome, I would say, is helping to inspire the good bits and the parts to avoid in structuring our system, the Republic in the United States. Julius Caesar was feared to be a tyrannical dictator with eyes on establishing a monarchy. Um, instead of the representative democratic system that they had in place up until that point in time. As a result, he was assassinated by the fearful, and ultimately, a monarchy was established by his nephew. They brought into fruition the thing that they feared the most. And as it turned out, evidence later would show that Julius Caesar had no intention of replacing the Roman Republic with a monarchy. Lastly, on this list, just to bring it to a current state, Russia. Russia is technically a republic, as is Iran, like we've mentioned before. Iran had a religious revolution, but how did Putin install himself for unlimited terms? Taking control of a party, rigging elections using fear and anger, and then changing the laws legitimately through that system after being elected to keep him in power. This happened under our watch and in our lifetimes. Is it the classic trope of uh, ignorance is bliss that allows you to sit back and think that this doesn't affect you, but as we see all kinds of price instability uh, instability for our friends and families in Europe uh, and in Russia and in Ukraine. Everyone is being affected by our inability to hold people accountable. Our It's the, the same center that you use to dismiss or say it doesn't affect you is the same energy center you need to redirect. That's that reasoning, right? We've just turned it off. Your reasoning center is asleep. People check in with the news and you say, it doesn't affect me because it's five miles away and you move on with your life and your reasoning is still there. It's just become extremely, extremely unamused with anything outside of what is affecting you at that moment, if it's not poking you in the back. But eventually, right, we may have it at that point. There are crazy people with dangerous weapons and it can affect you if it goes too far. And accountability is the way to save all of us. And I'll just, I've maybe said it before, but 
every day at work, we use reason for the most part. And we, we say things are not fair. We would stand up for ourselves. If our boss said, go in the basement and work with no lights. I don't know if anybody's dealing with that, but there are laws about even the lumens that should be in an office. So we're at a point now, an inflection point where you can apply that same accountability and reason that you do to your, your workplace and your buildings you live in. We have a minimum expectation of accountability that's kind of weak. Just imagine if we push it up a level to those at the top. Uh, but I guess it starts at home, right? Be accountable to yourself to leverage that epicenter of reason. Yeah, it begins with each of us. Um, we only have control over our own thoughts and actions. We have no control of anything beyond that. And so that's where we need to focus our reason. And I want to also bring up the idea of thinking critically about things, um, not accepting anything and everything as gospel because we agree with it. it you fundamentally, based on reason, you have to understand that all humans are flawed. And all humans are motivated in one way or another by something potentially selfish. You need to use reason to understand the bias, the perspective. Where are these angles coming from? Today, people are just eating this stuff up like junk food. They're, they don't care about how good or bad it is for them. And that's unreasonable. Reason requires you to take what makes sense and leave behind what doesn't to be critical enough to understand when there is one truth and 20 lies embedded in a message <laughs> that is i think today one of the core components of reason that we are severely ignoring within ourselves just to bring it home on the last topic about the seeds of dissent and uh, the potential death of our republic, not so far from home, within our own nation, in our history, within people's lifetimes. People are still alive who have experienced the seeds of this authoritarianism. Under our constitution, <laughs> so much is possible, and that's why it's so dangerous. Right. We can just look at the history of what the Constitution was leveraged or used to implement and see going back is no place any of us wants to live. These were the sort of systems that existed in the good old days of the antebellum Southern gentry. I mean, I'm going to end up picking on the South, but it's really just about this Confederate idealism um, around the liberty to own other people and control other people's lives. This was a time when patriarchy and slavery reigned supreme. There was only, in certain states, one very small, small minority of penis-carrying, light-complected humans that had all the power. And not only did they have power, even if they didn't have power, they had the promise of power. And that kept them going and upholding this disgusting set of principles. Somehow history has repeated itself or rhymed along these lines on several occasions. In each case, the group that identified with relatively conservative ideologies, wanting to restore 
things became most concerned with conserving their own power. These are easy to find, these people and these ideologies, because they're ruled by greed, envy, and hate. And you, I, I do want to put in some sympathy here too, because there is this group of people that have a lot of power, have a lot of money, but don't experience a lot of love, right? So when we think about these individuals who are judging us, why do we march? Why do we care? Why do we activate as citizens? Why don't we just stay home and, and eat our food and watch our TVs that were manufactured for us? It becomes quite clear uh, that there is an obsession with us just doing the things we've been given and nothing more. You have been given your methods to benefit the economy like the old factory. So I, I stress out when, when people are surprised that we've only moved five inches to the left of the antebellum south, right? This decorum that we use in our boardrooms and these rules of engagement when we're talking to our leaders even in the corporate world, all of these mechanisms of propriety comes from that expectation of some people deserve to be controlled. And that methodology is part of our heritage. So so when you when you speak of that, you know, it, it really, it really it just brought it back to me that it's something that's important to remember that we're all affected by it considerably, consistently. This episode might go over, but it's really important. Um, you touched on something I was discussing recently around generational wealth. I haven't seen the show Succession, but science shows us that the brain is incapable of experiencing things it doesn't learn how to experience. And in generational wealth families, generation over generation, I believe things like love, empathy, the things that really connect us to humanity get washed away generation over generation because it's a group of people that are coddled by nothing but their own money and the people around them who are dependent on that money. And so their entire sense of morals gets completely warped. I mean, they're raising children where instead of love and empathy and understanding our common condition as humans, they're concerned with the nest egg. They do not experience love. They do not have the sense of love and they have no concept of love. Move on from that digression, but I'll try and find some of the studies that help support that argument. Well, I can tell you right now, if you read the book Livewire by David Engelman, uh, excuse me, Eagleman, it's all <laughs> core, core of it is in there. And that's, that's some of the latest science that's come out of this. So um, I can only highly recommend that. Our whole system of governance was designed with checks and balances intended to thwart this dark capacity for hate <laughs> that lurks within the mal, malintent of those giving in to selfish desires, those who would usurp power from the people and retain it from themselves. As a majority, those of us who don't have generational wealth, power, etc., we, the people, the majority, 
do not have the advantages of being wealthy or of even being light complected in more cases than not. We should be making reason, making reason choices from that perspective, our common shared condition as humans, uh, regardless of the divisions we've been told exist among us. The parties blind us to what we have in common so that they can have a competitive advantage to guide votes towards our winner-take-all system. Our republic and its capacity to support our common good through liberty and justice for all requires all of us to acknowledge it within ourselves and make reasoned choices each and every day for us, for our families, and for our vote. And I guess the dose of history lesson I always like to give um, is that the the founders who are often put on a pedestal improperly um, idealized, uh, which shouldn't be done by most of the religious groups that are really focused on patriotism right now, but they made a huge mistake. They they still structured us, structured us as a serfdom in, in a lot of ways. They did not get away from the baronship and the landowner and the male only second class citizen structure we had third class fourth class at that point um the way they set us up at the beginning was flawed the system needs work we've got to lean in and say oops that's right we we formed this country with slavery obviously obviously people weren't using their full brains yet in the room here here it's time for a message from our sponsor, Citizen Do Good. As misinformation swirls in the cloud and we hear the jeers of hate and drumbeat of lies grow louder in the distance, we must fully recognize and commit ourselves to the fact that self-rule requires unrelenting vigilance, an unwavering persistence that puts principle and reason above greed and hate. We place our faith in self-rule as the means to fulfill the promise of freedom and justice for us all. The time is now to deeply re-examine ourselves and our implementation of governance for the dawning of a new day. We are a proud sponsor of the Citizens Prerogative Podcast, a major partner in spreading the good word about civic love and the power of change for us all. At Citizen Do Good, we want to empower all citizens to participate in their republic in a reconstructive way. With that goal in mind, we need your help to stay on mission and grow this community. Pick up some goodies from our shop at citizendogood.com, like a quippy t-shirt, a mug, or a bomber jacket. You can also add some goodwill to your cart with a one-time contribution. As little as $20 goes a long way. You can go even further with a recurring contribution through Patreon and receive patron benefits. Feel free to share any suggestions you have directly through the Contact Us page. Thanks for your support. When I think about how we have this option to choose how long we spend on thinking through things, you know, I think in this world, Things move so quickly. Information's kind of suggested to you. It's directed. You, you, you have a choice whether you can accept what's coming at you at 90 miles per hour. Um, I think what's hard for most of us, and even myself, is when you stop and you reflect, 
you you have to look at what you did wrong too. So I know that going into reason, this space, the scariest thing is when you really dive into it, you also think about, oh, what I said wasn't the best. I know to this day, I still look back at my conversations and I look at the failures. I look at where I probably offended that person and I look at how I could be better. And if someone says something I don't agree with, it could be so extreme. I still sit back and think, how am I wrong here as one of the questions I ask myself? And that's a very vulnerable place. So I want to, you know, respect everyone's vulnerability and and what it takes to go here. It's not like it's easy. It's not like you turn a note or turn a turn a button. Uh, but the first thing you meet when you work work in this space is yourself. And it, it's a tough space to operate in. So so be patient. Thank you for that. Being critical of ourselves is the beginning. I think I, I may have projected being critical of, you know, the information coming in, but you're exactly right. We, we have to have the capacity to be critical of our own thoughts, to accept and allow other thoughts to land and to compare it against our current values or perspectives, because we're all carrying bias. We're all carrying all kinds of things that we may not have acknowledged that are driving us in a direction that is not fruitful for our lives or for the common good. And it is difficult. It is a practice. It is something that I don't think anybody has ever fully achieved. I think it's just something we should always, we always have to strive for. And it is, it is very difficult, but it does take some skills, right? Not to beat yourself up. Um, you know, you, you learn a lesson you identify if you've made a mistake, you learn a lesson, you change your ways going forward. That's all that's in our power. You know, we can't undo the past and we can't control the future and we can't control anything outside of our own thoughts and actions. And so it all begins in that self-examination and developing that self-awareness in your own thoughts and actions. And, you know, if all of your actions have resulted in a life that makes you sad, then that's something to examine. Maybe we act a little less insane and repeat the same things a little less often, take a moment to examine critically the results we're getting with the means we're using. With that, we've already slid into our calls to action. Um, so I'm going to go through these. Use your, use your reason choice to set aside any dogma or ideologies for a moment and consider the facts of the matter. If, if there are, I mean, I hope there's some facts in something you're being exposed to. And then you need to consider the people, you know, you choose to be your representatives or the people you choose to give you information. You know, some of it, they have their own biases, right? You have to avoid the narrow-minded trap of single issues and consider the whole of your values and your existence as a human being. In that same vein, don't allow the parties to control your choices. Be your own person. Make your own decision, your own reasoned choices. Do your research. Think for yourself. How can life be better for you that is also better for us all? And then I would add that you're going to potentially have so much more benefit in your life if you let love and grace guide you in this examination, uh, 
you should develop love for yourself and grace for yourself as we all make mistakes. But when we learn from those lessons and we change our ways, that is a condition of loving yourself. And love is something you can give to others that also comes back to you as you give it. It's, it's a very positive, action-oriented, forward and collaborative way to live life as opposed to hate greed and envy we are on the precipice of an important election cycle please do not vote against your own best interests consider this a wealthy person does not need to work for money their money works for them their time is their own to choose freely what to do be critical question these individuals. How is it that they can identify with your life, with your experiences, with your values? They don't even have to spend time working for money. Consider again multi-generational wealth, which tends to coddle fools. The same as a monarchy would. They become cash cows for the buzzards in their midst. Why vote for a wealthy person who cannot fathom the difficulties, anxieties, and other stresses of the working classes? That is not a reasoned choice. Ultimately, whatever you choose, all we can ask you to do, and we hope you will do, is vote. Vote for freedom's sake, for republic's sake, and for the sake of our common good. We, the people, still have a chance to save our republic. Inaction is really not a choice. It, it, this is a time for us to demand the next level of the human experience. Not, it's the wealthy have had this experience, they've been doing it for ages. Um, the new human experience is one where dignity, empowerment, and a base. Is, is the expectation. And we're not even asking for it. This is something from our early, early podcast, we would say. It's in the Constitution. You know, they didn't tell us what life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness meant. But to some people, it means having just the right amount of money so they can live their life and create or vote or volunteer to at the voting place, like whatever you want to do that's going to make you happy the government should enable that. And a prosperous government should in turn have prosperous people in a donut, circular investment society. But that's not going to happen unless the government worries not about how many guns are in circulation, but how many voters are in circulation. It's actually way more powerful, as we've seen. On that note, it's a wrap. We have been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong Jr. And thank you to Mr. Piscatelli. It's truly been a thought practice in time. It's been something, that is for sure. For information on this and other episodes, head over to citizenduga.com and click on podcast. While you're there, hit up the contact us page and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from the community. 
special thanks to you our listeners we save the best for last you are the best and you have been for years thank you for your support we know it can be painful and we love you intro music sampled from OK Class by Ozzy Jock under Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org other music provided royalty free through Fisley and Studios Inc. <laughs>